Hello, welcome to another episode of React Roundup. We are joined today by our panelists, TJ Van Toll. Hey, everybody. I am your host, Paige Niedringhaus. And our special guest today is Queen Ray. Hey, <laughs> from uh, Oslo, Norway. Welcome. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So I we talked a little bit about this right before the show began. Please give us your full name because it is a little bit hard for non-Norwegian speakers to pronounce. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Yeah, so my name in Norwegian is, I, I even have to kind of uh, concentrate, but I am speaking American or English, but my name in Norwegian is Benedikte Rå, which uh, nobody really can say, at least that last name. So I've just gone by Ray on the internet forever, I guess. And then um, May of this year, was it April? No, not this year, last year, May of or April of 2021, our little stream concept was born, which is Queen Ray and the Natamob Pirates or Gatsby Deep Dives with Queen Ray and the Natamob Pirates. So we have a streaming show every Thursday. We're on a little break, but we're coming back pretty soon. Um, and that's kind of where the Queen Ray thing came about because we'd wanted to be fun. I'm wearing a crown. My partner is like wearing his homemade uh, pirate hat. Our navigator, Paul, like looks at us, looks at us with like this, like you're crazy, but I'm doing this with you guys. It's <laughs> so we're trying to just want to just want to bring some like fun and whimsy and not be so serious around tech, I guess. So that's where the queen thing came about. And a lot of people seem to take to it. So I just decided that I am now Queen Ray. And and that's easier to, to pronounce. And it's easier to <laughs> ask people to Google. I'm doing pretty good on the Google searches if you go for Queen Ray. So that's R-A-A-E. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I am a web developer, I would say by now. Um, I have been at it since, in one way, since 1995, I think, was when I did my first HTML and CSS. That was junior high. And mm -hmm. then I did my first JavaScript in 2000 for a school play. And I will always remember that because the bug was that I had spelled height wrong. It turns out I am dyslectic and I'm very grateful for modern editors because <laughs> that was three days of not understanding what was going on. And then I actually went a very traditional route and, and got a master's of computer science at the Technical University of Norway and had a proper job for a year as a consultant. And then I quit and I have been doing 
all kinds of stuff since then. And that's been about 11 years, I think. So that's me. I know. That's shell. fantastic. So I'm curious now that we've you've mentioned the the Gatsby stream that you're doing, what kind of different deep dives do you do? So I think our first one was like how, what is a minimal Gatsby setup? Because a lot of people get into Gatsby using one of the starters, which is a great way. I like to compare it a little bit to how a lot of people got into coding through WordPress. And there's good stuff about that and like bad stuff about that that we've realized over the years. But for people who like to have like a good or like a solid start where they don't have to do so much to see something happening, like using one of these starters and then being like, oh, I want to add a little feature. That's like a good way to learn how to code if like that's that's your way in. But then it's hard to kind of know, like, how minimal can you go? And even I didn't really know how minimal you could go. So that was what Paul kind of showed us in the first, I guess, official stream. And I don't remember totally, but I think all you need is the Gatsby config and a page. If I rem- and then the package.json file, of course, since we are in JavaScript land. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. And then we've been done doing source plugins. And then lately we did all of the good stuff that came out of version four. So we did server-side rendering. Got to keep my mouth or my... It's uh, server-side rendering. We did uh, dynamic static generation. Yes, I got the DSG and the SSR. Mm-hmm. And, and this summer, the summer 20, 2021, we did, or I kind of did with a little bit of help from Paul, we did... Gatsby summer functions where we focused on Gatsby serverless functions all all summer long. So that was like that was a paid thing. So yeah, we do all kinds of deep dives. We're trying to plan now for the next season and I'm not totally sure, but we might go with web apps as the theme to see kind of how do we use Gatsby as a web app starter and get more of those web app features in there, maybe notifications, a little bit of progressive web enhancement, those types of things. But we've we've done it all. Oh, yeah, I've done it all. But, <laughs> but we try to, so with the deep dives, we try to do them ourselves and not rely on plugins. We do rely on some plugins that are a little too big to, to kind of replicate. But when we sourced all of the YouTube data, so our, our kind of the site we're working on is naturalmob.dev that shows the streams. So the, we're using a meta framework for a meta project to teach uh, to teach. But so we source all of the uh, videos from YouTube through the YouTube API. And we created that kind of sourcing ourselves instead of using one of the existing source plugins that are all community plugins to kind of showcase actually how you can basically source whatever you want into the Gatsby data layer, which I think is like the the golden nugget of of Gatsby and what sets it apart from a lot of the other frameworks. And for many people, that seems like magic because they've only used plugins. And and then you go in there and it's, you could do that. I think we source in like 10 lines of code <laughs> or something like that. So it's not, it's all code, right? Nothing is magic in the world of the internet, but feels feels <laughs> yeah, like it. Yeah. Maybe that's a decent segue because I know we want to dig into some of these Gatsby topics, but maybe we could just start with the absolute basics because I know we have some beginners that listen to this podcast and some other some of us could use some reminders as well. Maybe you could just start by what is Gatsby, right? Like the absolute basics. Why would somebody? Why would you use Gatsby? Like if you're a React developer listening to this, what are the sort of things you'd need to build where you'd say like, oh yeah, Gatsby would be great to use here. So I think originally Gatsby was marketed as the static site generator for React, and that means that 
on build, when you run the build version, kind of or the build script, the whole site is built out. So what you can deploy on your servers are static files, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files. So there's no need for any more advanced servers than that. And it's part of that Jamstack movement that we've seen rising over the last years. But then as these frameworks evolve now with Gatsby version 4, that is not really true anymore. So I am not entirely sure what they market themselves as right right of uh, right now, but but they are still kind of statically generated first. Like that is their basis, that's where they came from, and I think that is where their focus is. And why you would want to use that is kind of to solve that that issue we saw with if you're just using React and you have a lot of content on your site, you will always have that little spinning wheel. When you a visitor lands on yeah. your page, you need to kind of like get that data and then render the page. But with static generation, you will get that page instantly. And then, you know, in milliseconds, depending on how fast your internet is, of course, the site will what they call rehydrate into a single page application like you are used to with that regular React application. And you would then, oh, you didn't ask why would you want that? Well, the re- <laughs> one of the reasons is speed. So perceived speed will then increase because you don't have to wait for the data to load and to render. And another reason for many of the, these larger sites, I guess, is, is SEO, search engine optimization, because I think maybe I'm not an expert at this. I think Google has gotten smarter. It can crawl through React applications as well now. I'm not like entirely sure of that, the state of that. But if you have a statically generated site, then Google will be able to hit all of these pages and they will be regular HTML and they can then read them as regular HTML and index all of your sites. But for me, I think more the kind of perceived speed, you land on it, you can start reading as soon as you land and... And every page is an entry point then into your single page application. So when you build it out, there's an HTML or there's like a, there's a, it builds out like every page and no matter which one you land on, that's, that's the page that then rehydrates into a single page application. Very cool. And then, so you've got a lot of experience and done a lot of work in the Gatsby plugin land. And so Gatsby plugins then are basically, as I understand them, and I have some minimal experience with Gatsby, is basically ways of like just building on top of the core functionality, right? Maybe you could give a few examples of some like some plugins out there that co- like popular community ones and like ones you've worked on as well. Yeah. So with the plugin system, it kind of just encapsulates like, encapsulates uh, functionality into a plugin that then other people and other projects can reuse, so you don't have to start from scratch. And that is so Gatsby's always reminded me, and I don't know. You know, you said there's a lot of beginners listening as well. So you might not have been around for like the the heydays of WordPress, but I'll keep (laughs) mentioning them. (laughs) So it's similar to that where you kind of have a WordPress core and then you can add plugins and you get a, a lot of the same benefits and a lot of the same problems where you'll reach for a plugin for things that you could very easily do yourself and maybe then plugins that do more than you need and then kind of your your site gets bloated and and plugins can like fight in between each other and stuff like that. But on the good side, you don't have to write everything from scratch. So popular, some of the most popular plugins are the Gatsby official ones. So you kind of have, you have a plugin that reads files from the file system and puts them into this data layer that I mentioned, the golden, kind of the golden, they called it a content mesh for a while, but it's it's like a data layer is the official version. So the idea is that you will, you source a lot of different data into uniform data layer. 
So you'll use then the Gatsby file system plugin to kind of read files, but these files could be images, they could be JSON, they could be YAML, they could be markdown, files could be of any type. And then you will reach for a transformer plugin that then will see, oh, the file system has read a image file and put it in as an image node. Well, I know how to transform into image nodes and then it can do some magic on the images. Or if it's a markdown file, it's become a markdown node. And then the transformer will know, oh, this is a markdown content. I can now transform that into HTML that we can put on our site. So that is kind of how the system works, where you have source plugins that source data into the data layer, and then you have transformer plugins that can then transform these nodes into whatever you need, usually HTML that you can then spit out on your site or just data structures that you can use in your application or site. And then there are plugins that we just call Gatsby plugins that could do anything that is not sourcing or transforming. <laughs> And I have made some of those. So for this Christmas, I made a Gatsby plugin, Let It Snow. So <laughs> all it does is that it reaches into a Gatsby API endpoint. I'm not quite sure what we call them, but Gatsby has, as did WordPress, <laughs> have all these like places you can hook into Gatsby. And one of them is on initial client render. So that will only run on the initial rendering of a page. So after you you've kind of rehydrated as we talked about the site and you move away, that will never happen again. So you need to do a new page refresh. So what let Gatsby plugin Let It Snow does is that on that initial client render, it uses ca Canvas Confetti, an amazing package by, <laughs> oh, what's, I think it's Cat Dad, Cat Dad, I think his, his name is, or his username is. Anyway, so it uses that and then it fires off a snow version of Confetti that I kind of just grabbed from his examples. And the cool thing about plugins is that you can also then configure them or ask the person using it to configure it. And Gatsby then, Gatsby plugin Let It Snow will let you configure the, what did we call it? The season the season you wanted for snow, like a start date and an end date, the duration, and then the intensity. And you do this in what's called the Gatsby config file. And in so if somebody else like comes to this project, they can see, oh, there's snow on this page. And then they can have a look at the config file and they'll see uh, the configurations for that. So it's a very, I, I think it's a really good setup where when you want to use ready-made modules, Gatsby with its plugin system makes that, uh, quite straightforward and it's quite easy if you if you come into a Gatsby project to go through the Gatsby config file and see kind of what things are happening on or what plugins is in use and you can like easier kind of deduce where things are coming from. Um, you can, of course, just put it all into your Gatsby project and make a <laughs> big bloated site. Like you can do any project, but and I think something that's very underutilized is that you can make local plugins. So if you want to kind of modularize your own code, you don't have to go and make a proper plugin and put it on NPM. You can you can make local plugins, which are then just a folder, and you configure them the same way in Gatsby config. And you will kind of keep that modularization without having to split it totally into a different project or put it on NPM or and things like that. Uh, <laughs> real quick, so, so, I just had to mention that I found the Canvas confetti and... <laughs> The API is simply amazing. Like, I just love that you can configure particle count, angle, spread, start <laughs> velocity, gravity. <laughs> it's it's kind of, it's it's amazing. Canvas confetti, like 
that if you can use it in a pro- project, use it in a project. Um, <laughs> it is it is really good. And it's very, as you said, easy to configure. And the examples are great. As I said, the first version of Let It Snow was his snow example. Like I didn't really do, I think the Gatsby plugin Let It Snow, I made that in less than two hours from like ID to, to release on NPM in its first version. And then some people contributed with different configuration options. But that that was a fun project. It's one of those where you're just like, oh, and also actually a nod to WordPress because WordPress sites used to snow between December 4th, no, December 1st and January 4th or something like that. So <laughs> it was kind of, I don't know, I'm in a very nostalgic phase. I'm like <laughs> the olden days of the internet, you know, when I was young and all of that. <laughs> so I keep having these kind of nods back to when it was all new to me. I think we need more things like that that bring joy and have no real value except that they make you smile. (laughs) (laughs) But I must say, every time I go to my site now, it's so meditative because I went for the light snow or I think I went for the regular snow, but it's kind of, and it's white on kind of a beige-ish background, but it comes over the images and videos or whatever I have on my page. And sometimes I can just like sit there and like watch the snow fall on my own site. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It's going to be up until January 15th. So I don't know if anybody listening to this will be able to see Let It Snow in action, but you can add it to your own project if you want to. So I'm I'm curious, you said that you started out, you know, back in the day in, in middle school and high school doing this. How did you go from what sounds like a lot of WordPress and kind of early internet to using Gatsby in particular? What drew you there? I I think I worked as a as I said, I worked as a consultant for a year and there we kind of did whatever as since I was a master of computer science, they kind of just put us in as consultants and we do whatever the project wants us to do. So I I did JavaScript projects. I did some Python. I think we did a Python project and some kind of, was it Drupal? Uh, It's not that important. But anyway, so I did that. And then I kind of went, this is going to be a convoluted story. I'm going to try to make it short. Sorry. (laughs) After a year, my friend was making a Spotify remote control app for the iPhone. And we ended up making like 4K a month or 5K a month on that that we split. So we quit our jobs and we're going to be an app shop. Mm-hmm. And for that, he kind of did all of the all of the app coding and I was going to do more of the marketing. So I then I kind of went back to stuff that I'd done during university for a little bit of money. I made some WordPress site. I had my own WordPress site because I've always enjoyed frameworks that I've never been the kind of person who wants to just like code everything myself just because you can code it yourself. It's like, why? So and I've always liked to be ask myself, you know, what does the like, how does the framework want to be used? Because that just makes my life so much easier than trying to force my conventions onto the framework. So I kept on using WordPress and then keeping the story short, like apps were not all the rage anymore. And we went our separate ways and I started doing just like digital help for people. So I did a lot of WordPress sites or I helped them just set up kind of their digital infrastructure for little businesses and things like that. And then I started coding iPhone apps myself because I had kind of a break there for two or three years where I didn't code code as much. And we started making apps for parents of small children. Well, I, I am not good at keeping things short. (laughs) And <laughs> but I kept making all the marketing sites in WordPress. So that's kind of like why like WordPress was just something I always knew how to do. And it kind of like could give me could be a job I could or something I could do for money from time to time. Mm-hmm. But then at a point I got contacted to do an iPhone app for the Norwegian directory of water and electricity. 
resources, something like mm-hmm. that. That because I've been doing some map stuff and they needed some map stuff. And at some point during that contract, they wanted to switch and also have Android. And that's where another consultancy came in and wanted to do a hybrid app where you code it up in JavaScript and then you could deploy it both to the Android and, and Apple app stores. And that is kind of how I came back to the web. So it's like, it took me a while. Like I, I was in the web, like you said, in the really early days. I loved the web. I kind of went into that master of computer science where the focus was much more on like enterprise technology where we did Java and .NET and you had a whole half year on data structure and algorithms and all of that kind of stuff because they didn't teach web at that time in those types of educations because it was quite new. It's like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So... With that hybrid app, I kind of came back to the web and that was Angular and Ionic. I think it was like Angular 2 and Ionic. And then I started doing my own kind of web application side projects and kept doing that. I think I made I made this location-specific radio web application that was in Jekyll, which is a static site generator, and then rehydrated into an Angular 2 application. So I kind of was always interested in that approach where page like it would be a proper web page but then it would become more interactive i just didn't have the vision i guess to make something like gatsby even though i made a jackal site that then rehydrated into an android application and then i'm a little fussy on the history because i had a kid and 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 stuff and then one of the contracts i got after i guess about 4 years ago was making a react application for the swedish defense force through some intermediaries. And they wanted a React application. And I told them I didn't know React, but my uh, my education opens a lot of doors in, in Norway. So they were like, you have the right education. We want you to do it. And I kind of taught myself React. And I think it was around that time that I also then started listening to, or a lot of things happened at once. But that was also when kind of Netlify came out and started their Gemstack radio podcast. And that's where I heard about Gatsby the first time. And I was like, well, this does what I was trying to do for this location. <laughs> specific radio business idea we had that that didn't go go so much further and kind of all of the things that I had been wanting from kind of my my experience or things I thought was fun to do kind of came together in that idea of the Jamstack and then Gatsby where it was still it was the web but we could do like more fun stuff it was the web but there were it was also apps you know you got both the best of both worlds I feel and I just thought it was a lot of fun to work with and as I said, I've always looked for frameworks because I, I'm not like that interested in in just coding everything up by myself and having to, but I'm often working by myself. So I need to build on top of frameworks. So I'm not like solely responsible for every maintenance aspect of whatever I create. That's really awesome. It's You it's can funny. edit that. Like you cut out sections no, of that. No, no. <laughs> I need to practice my story, I realize. <laughs> but it's so long. It's been 10 years. I'm like, what parts do you keep in? What's, what are relevant for the Gatsby React thing? Because... Yeah, no, it's it's interesting too because I've I've done some some WordPress as well. Not as extensively as, as you have. And it's it's interesting too because I have mostly it's it's mixed too because I have mostly fond memories of it because WordPress th- there's a reason it's so popular right it solved a problem extremely well mm-hmm. and it's funny because a big part of WordPress was not just like the the developer APIs but it also gave you like a back end that was I, I found useful as a developer but then you could also make it useful for people that were not software people in any way as well. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people 
on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. And I'm wondering, this is just a very random question, but there doesn't seem to be many of those types of projects for the JavaScript world. Like, are there, because I, I know there are some, there's some stuff out there, but there are there any like people that are trying to build on top of Gatsby and like also give you like a backend for working with this sort of stuff as well that's trying to make more of a WordPress type stack? I think I've seen some. There's something called like Stack Blitz, is it? Mm-hmm. But that is St- next. But but they kind of tried to do that where it's like more full, like everything you need. I'm not completely sure. Even that though is pretty developer yeah. focused. It's, yeah. it's just funny to me how like the, a lot of the JavaScript based tools like don't try to be full CMSs. They, mm-hmm. tr- they, they are really like laser focused on developers. And I just, I just yeah. find it f- kind of funny. I also had like dabbled with no code tools because as I said, I don't really, well, I do now find it's so much more fun just coding stuff just because I want to code it and because I can code it. But like, I would never, if somebody came to me and was like, oh, I need a web page, I would never be like, yeah, I'll make it for you in Gatsby if it's like the the cafe down the street or my aunt's, uncle's, friend's, whatever. Then I would be like, go with a hosted hosted WordPress or Squarespace or my favorite yeah. actually is Card, the card.co with two R's. Because you can get like really far with those tools. I think maybe that's what we've seen, kind of that split. So if you need something that is more what WordPress was in the beginning, and I also have fun, like I love WordPress. I still love WordPress. Like I, the, my problem was I was, I was bumping up to a wall in the end of making it into like an app experience. So still for a content heavy, just like a blog thing, like WordPress can still be exactly what you need. And there's some awesome themes. But when you want to kind of, I was trying to make this application for a friend where you would search for seafood to see if it was environmentally friendly or not. And I could make that in WordPress, but that's kind of when you start, like you need more structured content and you could put that on top of WordPress, but it gets a little, it can be a little intense and you get too many plugins and and stuff like that. So I think maybe that we see the internet now is like splitting. Either you go for like a no code solution that will solve a lot of solve a lot of the uh, use cases or you need to go more custom and then it doesn't really make sense if there is a javascript framework that does everything for you because then it becomes a no code tool if that if that that's a that's my thinking i guess on that but i also saw when i was doing apps because that is also weirdly like in all of this i i took my contact at the region directory of water and whatever resources in Norway, to a meetup where kind of the first initial thoughts of Sanity, which is one of the big headless CMSs now, it's actually out of Norway, where they kind of pitched their ID. Because I kept telling this person that you need your, you need as a governmental kind of entity, you need to have your data somewhere that is not connected 
to the output mm -hmm. because you want to make an app now, you want your web page. And they had an API for their data that I had to visualize, but then they wanted me to kind of add contact information, but that was just in the web page. How do you get access to the contact information? It's just copy pasted everywhere. And as as software developers, we know it should not be copy pasted everywhere because somebody will forget to update that email or that telephone number, which is not good when you are like a directorate that's supposed to respond to natural catastrophes and stuff like that. So I kept like badgering him on that. And I remember dragging him to this, I'm not dragging, he was willing to this meetup. Meet he kind of had the initial version of sanity and structured data. And I think that's more than maybe the Gatsby side, like that was what I was missing when I went kind of more from, oh, you're making a blog to actually making something with lots of content, but content that is more data than it is just blog posts. And it's taken a while. But yeah. that, that was a non-answer to your question that I think <laughs> if you get to this point, a headless CMS is the right choice because you probably have needs that are not fulfilled with these no-code tools. And when you have those needs, then it, then you go all custom, or not all custom, but then you use a meta framework like Gatsby or, or Next. Or. Yeah, despite your reservations, I think that was actually an answer because I, I actually got a decent <laughs> amount out of it. Because, I, you know, it's funny because I think our tools are becoming more just, I guess, like modular or like, because WordPress... One of the faults of WordPress is that it, it it can do everything, right? Like you get enough WordPress plugins in there, man. It's doing your auth for you. <laughs> it's doing your content. It's doing your site implementation, which I mean, sometimes that's what you want. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like now with the Gatsby stack, it's not that Gatsby doesn't do everything, but maybe it's, that's a good thing, right? Because Gatsby can be your site's implementation, but your actual CMS could be something like Sanity or whatever. You could use some other service for auth um, and you can kind of build and choose like your best best tools for the job sort of thing instead of using one monolithic thing it seems like today instead of having one site that does everything itself it's a lot more common to plug things together so you have the gatsby site that's the ui and consumes the data you have WordPress or Sanity or Butter or one of those CMSs that actually holds all of your content and just plugs it into Gatsby. You have an OAuth server running somewhere that handles your admin login and authentication. It gives these companies a chance to do one thing really well and then just use other companies that are doing that another thing really well and make the best site that they can because they're not trying to spread themselves too thin, like maybe WordPress could be argued as, has done in the past. I would say where the community spread them thin because the company <laughs> seems to be very much <laughs> kind of uh, focused on the on more of the content or the not not the content heavy. I don't know what we should call these different sites, but more of the guy kind of inform brochure sites mm -hmm. like the restaurant yeah. or the company or the blog. While yeah, but there are plugins that will make it into something that looks like an app, but. but that might not be the 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 way to go. But structured data is just really interesting. And that is like the one thing I never liked about WordPress, which I think is kind of why they can't can never go really in that direction, is that they store their data as HTML. So when you go into the into their editor and you add uh, content that is transformed and saved as HTML, which makes it really hard to like get that data out and like do other interesting things with it. And also because it's just one big window. And I've used the plugins that 
the custom field plugin, which is really advanced custom field plugin, which is really good. And there are now Gatsby plugins that let you source data from <laughs> WordPress and with the use of the advanced custom fields. But as I said, for me, that feels, I don't know, then then I would go like WordPress. <laughs> like if I need, now I would, but people have legacy systems. There are, there are you know, things that, that definitely have, have need. There might be needs where that will be the solution. But with Sanity, as I've seen, like I've never, I haven't really used Sanity, but I love them since they're, they're four streets over. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but I love that kind of like the way they look at data because I've seen some demos there where you have, you know, the same data source for a Gatsby site and the physical printed cookbook. And oh, yeah. And I actually had that case when I was making apps. We came to this publisher and they're like, oh, we want the you know, cookbook app like Jamie Oliver has. And this is and I was like, OK, let me see your data. And it's like, yeah, it's these print files. And I was like, and how do you want me to calculate how much ingredients should be in this <laughs> recipe? Do you want me to copy paste all of this data? Are you going to like pay somebody a little lower wage to do that? I don't know. <laughs> but they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, this and I think they even lost kind of the original printed like all they had was what needed to go to print. So they didn't even have like the original file that you could copy paste from because that was on the designer's laptop. That was not the deliverable. So I think kind of that was six, seven years ago. I don't think that is how it works anymore. But but that kind of illustrates the point is if you want to do something more fun with the content you have, you need it to be structured in some way because otherwise, and in a, in a way that can be edited or like sourced, if it's going to be for a book or a Gatsby site or your web application or your info screen at the doctor office. I don't like as long as you have your your data somewhere, you can do all of those things. Yeah, I think even just the web mobile use case, which is incredibly common, like comes up right away. But I think typically you find just over time you need your data in more places, not less, right? Like regardless, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what it is. So if you can start with a way that makes it portable, I think you're doing yourself a favor. Yeah. So Sanity has called their data structure portable text. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it, it also depends, I guess, a little bit on who is going to be using this. Like at the company that I work for currently, we started out as a developer-based company. So we have a marketing website, which is built in Hugo, but all the people who were writing blogs for it started out as devs. So it's all written with markdown files. And now we're finally building up a marketing team and they don't want to use Markdown files, and we don't want them to have to use Markdown either. So it's becoming a bigger conversation of what could we use instead? What kind of a headless CMS could we plug in so they can work in a, a nice interface, a user interface that's friendlier to people who are not technical versus having to learn what a hash is and a double hash and how to <laughs> add an image file and how to link properly. Yeah, so it gets that definitely uh, is part of the conversation or should be part of the consideration, I guess. Yeah, and that is where kind of because I that's what's fun for me with Gatsby is that I just use markdown files, of course, since mm -hmm. I am I'm a developer. And there is like an intermediate area there that isn't solved as good as kind of the WordPress that we keep comparing it to, because you very soon have to pay for all these different modules. 
Mm-hmm. While with yeah. something like WordPress, like you can have the whole thing for free. Well, you have to pay for some of the plugins. But with soon as you then need a headless CMS that needs to be available on somebody else's, you know, infrastructure and and then you have your auth, which is available on somebody else's infrastructure, and you just have this little side project, and suddenly it's like five dollars there, and then it's like twenty bucks over there, and and then so like I've yeah I've had some yeah there's an inter intermediate between the free t- 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 tier and like the lots of money there's there's little in between <laughs> for kind of the small marketing team that then needs something nicer but but don't have but not that nice. Yeah, Yeah, it's not just the money too. It's also like, also you have to have accounts in all these places. You, you're all these are also dependencies too, right? Like, if one of these services goes away, if two three years from now, like Mm. you don't want your website to go down, and then all of a sudden you've got a major problem. So there's also that too. Whereas you throw everything in WordPress for its faults, WordPress isn't going anywhere. (laughs) But it might get hacked because WordPress. (laughs) If you don't look at your WordPress site, because if you don't go that, because that is, I have this this the 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 Jekyll Angular Frankenstein that I made site that I made was deployed, I should probably check that, but that was deployed the last time, maybe three years ago or something on Netlify, still live, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the same static files. If that, yeah. I also have a, a a WordPress site from that same era, and I'm still paying VP Engine money for that because I just haven't had the time to like go in there and actually decide what to do with it. And I keep getting, like, there are people commenting and I know it's like, spa- like they've found their, you know, their way to, because we don't have comments there. So they are like spamming that site with comments and stuff like that. While while this weird static site that I generated, it's still going. And <laughs> as, soon, as long as I don't touch it, like I'm not going to go in there and YOLO update the NPM packages. But it is, at the end of the day, it's been generated static. It's as static files, and it's gonna live there until Netlify go out of business, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if we were talking about the benefits of like Gatsby and static sites, like security is one of them. Because I remember my WordPress sites. You'd be amazed how many people try to do all sorts of nonsense. Like as soon as they determine you have like a WP admin file, <laughs> they're gonna throw their bots at it and try to find any exploit they can. So your your logs, your analytics get filled with all this craziness of people trying to find any way into it. But if your sites are static, like jokes on them, like there's nothing to get into. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's, so I guess that's where it's good, even for, for kind of sites that are not app-like because you can generate them and they will always be there. But it's, we were talking about as soon as you add all of those app-like features, when you want some login and you want some connection to other kinds of real-time data or stuff like that, that's when you start getting those those issues with dependencies and also your security, obviously, if people can log in mm-hmm. on the site. Yeah. But yeah. Well, Ray, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Is there anything that we haven't covered yet that we we should touch on? Um, <laughs> well, I also, yeah, no, we've talked about the streams. I would love to see some new faces in the chat of the streams. And I've also scheduled a webinar on five Gatsby gotchas for React developers, I think I called it, for... February 7th. And you can also see that in a replay if you're coming in later. And that is kind of going to cover a little bit the the things that I like 
learning to think like, how does Gatsby want me to do stuff so that you can work with the framework instead of against the framework? Like I've always enjoyed doing and kind of go over some of the the things I see people kind of react patterns they try to f- kind of force onto Gatsby. So that would be cool if somebody from here showed up. That would be queen.ray.codes slash react. <laughs> Awesome. And we will have links to all of your social media, your website, things like that in the show notes for anybody who wants to join. That sounds like it's going to be a ton of fun, though. Always is. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right. So let's move into the portion of the show that we call picks. And this can be books or cool online things or shows or really whatever you think the listeners might be interested in. So TJ, would you like to kick us off for this week? Sure. I'm going to pick uh, Hawkeye and Disney Plus. We're suckers for the Marvel Universe, and that's the Disney's latest entry into it. And it was quite good. Uh, it's yeah, it's nothing fantastic, but it was. it's just a show around Hawkeye. It's set in a Christmas setting, so it's fun to watch over the holidays because it's Christmas in New York sort of thing, too. And it's just a fun little, like, it takes about five hours. I think there's like six or seven episodes to get through. And so if you're a fan of Marvel at all, I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. <laughs> nice. I'm always a fan of the Marvel stuff, so I'll definitely be watching that soon. Ray, would you like to give our listeners something that you would recommend? I am on day four of Yoga with Adrian Move Challenge, or she likes to call them journeys, but because it's yoga. But <laughs> it's a 30-day yoga journey. And we are a little group on Twitter holding ourselves accountable. We might be pretty far out when this comes out, but every now and then I do I do another, I pick another one of those 30 days and hold myself accountable on, on Twitter. But I don't think it's only me. She, I think she's the most searched exercise person in the world or something. Like it's it's insane. But those videos are so good. And I finally learned that slow and steady wins the race because I've been doing, this is my third, third challenge, I think. So that's about 90 days of yoga. Well, will be 90 days of yoga. And I think I can feel like there's muscles happening around the shoulders where I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Like I've never, <laughs> I've never like, well, that, I don't feel like a little stiff from all work. It's like, no, that is like, that is stiff, like muscle sort of like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'll re- I recommend Yoga with Adrian on YouTube for anyone who is in front of the computer too much, which I think are all the listeners. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And I definitely need to get back into the habit of working out this year. I really fell off the wagon towards the end of last year. And I can't do that again. <laughs> it's annoyingly like good. Like this I saw somebody on Twitter. It's like, I am sad to report that exercise once again helped. Mm -hmm. That is definitely, I can feel that (laughs) because it's annoying that all the people are right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. That's a good one. So for my pick, it's going to be more along the lines of TJ. The newest Matrix movie just came out, uh, Resurrections, I believe. So in preparation my husband and I actually watched the first three again and then went and saw it in theaters. And even though they were made in 1999 and the early 2000s, those movies still hold up so well. 
So if you're interested in in The Matrix at all, I would highly recommend rewatching the originals and then going to see the last one because they do do some flashbacks, but there was a whole lot of stuff that I had forgotten between when those came out and when this one was released. So it's really fun. It's those are those are still really really good movies. So I'm going to recommend the whole Matrix trilogy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think I didn't know what I'm going to do this weekend then, because funny story at the end, <laughs> I saw the last of the old, because there was three older ones, like there was a three at the, and then this is the fourth that came out. Yeah. I saw the third one in like a little shack in Mexico with the audio out of sync with the people speaking. And there were like breaks because the projector thing kept on breaking. So I don't think I ever really like understood what was going on in the third movie so this is obviously well, a great point <laughs> to rewatch it well i'll so. say i watched the third one in a theater and i'm sure not sure i totally understood <laughs> what was going on in that one so i think i could benefit from a rewatch as well <laughs> well cool yeah so i would definitely recommend that and i think that they all might be on amazon prime at least in the u.s so you might might check there first to see if they've got it available. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. It's been so much fun hearing about how you've leveraged Gatsby and made these really cool webinars and videos and plugins. I definitely am going to check out that Snow plugin because that's really cool. <laughs> and, thank you for uh, having me. Absolutely. We will see everybody next time on the next episode of React Roundup. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.